Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. Talking about being disciples or tagalongs. Disciples being students, learners, followers. Jesus tagalongs being those just along for the ride and wondering what's next and if I'm ready for what's next. We talked last week about being a follower of his, what it looks like to be a follower as a disciple. This week we're going to talk about our uh, being harvesters. This is a picture of a combine harvester. that will do in hours what it took men single-handedly to do in days or weeks years ago. Um, In fact, in in biblical times, trying to imagine something like this to to harvest would would have been something unfathomable. And on top of that, I'm sure in terms of seeking people as a harvest group, even in biblical times, the thoughts of radio and television were unfathomable. The fact that you could get on radio or television or now social media and go all over the world with the gospel, it was unheard of at that time. So harvesting was a, was a one-to-one proposition. In my opinion, it needs to get back to a one-to-one proposition. I think we've grown comfortable with social media. We've grown comfortable with radio and television. Nothing wrong with any of those things, and we need to use all of them. We're using them this morning, even as we stream. But there's something to be said for, for this one-to-one contact in, in our being harvesters of people. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 9. And I want to see from verses 35 to 38, four things today from this text um, that we need to be as harvesters. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, four things today I want us to glean from this text about our being harvesters. First of all, harvesters follow a pattern. Follow a pattern. Look at verse 35. Jesus went to all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease. Teaching, proclaiming, and healing. That's what he did. We get up every day, do pretty much the same thing at the same time. We wake up at the same time, shower and get dressed in the same way oftentimes, head to to our job usually by the same route about every day, come home, eat the same dinner we we ate. Uh, You don't do that at your house. Sometimes I do that. We don't, do, we don't do that much at our house either. We, and I like leftovers, by the way. All right? Let it be said that uh, I like leftovers. And my wife is a fabulous cook, by the way. That's why I like leftovers. But eat dinner, watch some show on TV that you like, or watch a ball game or something. Go to bed about the same time. Get up the next day and go through those same patterns again and again and again. Nothing evil or wrong with that. It's not right or wrong. It's just that that's that's how we live life. We we live, most of us, a patterned life. 
farmers follow patterns as they, as they sow seed, as they plant and harvest and weed and water and, and spray. They follow some of the same patterns. Disciples of Jesus follow patterns too. These, these learners, these followers, these students of his, we need a pattern, and our pattern here to follow is Jesus himself. We talked last week about how, how John's disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, John pointed to Jesus and said, there he goes. And immediately his disciples turned and followed Jesus, saying, there's the pattern, John said. And he's the pattern for us to follow, uh, for us to, to go by. He is our model. All of, his, all of his things that he did and said that matter are in this book. And it is our guidebook. It is our, our textbook, our pattern to go by because he is himself our pattern. So what did he do? Well, he went into neighborhood after neighborhood and told people about himself, saying that, uh, teaching and proclaiming and healing. Teaching what? Teaching the, the scripture in the synagogues. That's what, what, he, what the synagogues refer to is his being in the synagogue, teaching, teaching the scripture, revealing the scripture to them, saying, in essence, what you're seeing, what you've read in the Old Testament, you're seeing before you, before your very eyes today, uh, teaching them that the value of the Old Testament has come to pass and that it's come to fruition. Proclaiming what? Proclaiming the good news that the kingdom of God had come to earth, had come to live among men. What was he healing? He, he was healing whatever needed healing uh, in, in the neighborhoods and towns that he went to. So if you want to be a disciple, you got to model that pattern to teach, to proclaim, and to heal. You say, Tim, I'm not a teacher. Yes, you are. You're teaching someone something every day. People are watching your life. You have, a, you have influence that's brought to bear at work or somewhere every day. Proclaim, what should I proclaim? I should proclaim my story. That's what Jesus did. He said, the kingdom of heaven's come to earth. He's telling his own story of, of, of God coming to man. Your story and how your, your story intersects with his is a powerful story that needs to be proclaimed again and again, over and over and over. He said, I don't have the gift of healing. Many of you probably do and don't even know it because the gift of healing, I believe, as we, teach, we, we often teach this in our, in our connections class, in, in our uh, gap class, that healing follows the pattern of prayer. And biblical healing follows the pattern of prayer. I've told the story many times about how I believe my mom had that gift that was undiscovered until she was in her 60s and had a conversation following some spiritual gift teaching on spiritual gifts. And I said, Mom, you prayed for this one? And this one, and this one, and I started naming people she was praying for that God healed. And her bottom lip starts to quiver and shake on me a little bit. I said, what's, going, what's the matter? She said, I wish I'd known this 30 years ago. I would have been praying more fervently for folks that, needed, that, that I knew that needed healing. And so whether, whether God has gifted you in that way or not, we can each pray for, for each other's healing and, and let God sort that out however he would and however he will. But he is our pattern that we're to teach, proclaim, and heal. That we need to follow. Not only is, there a, is he our pattern, har harvesters connect with people. Secondly, they connect with people. Look at verse 36. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. One of the first things we, we must recognize about Jesus is that he was social. In fact, the scripture records his first event after his ministry started, after his baptism, was a wedding that he went to at Cana. And you go to weddings because you're invited to come to weddings. And so Jesus was invited, being, uh, bearing the fact, the truth that he was known. He was socially known. He was connected with other people and connected in his community and in his neighborhood and, and went, to, went to this wedding. And as his, where his first miracle is performed, he turned water into wine there at that wedding. 
more and more he was around people, and the more he saw people, he saw their needs and had compassion on them, this verse says. How, deep, how deeply their needs were for him, how little they knew about what to do about it. Notice also that he wasn't motivated by fame or notoriety, but he was motivated out of compassion to move because of what he saw, the needs of people's hearts and lives around him. Uh, if we're going to become a true disciple of his, we're going to have to care about people. We're going to have to connect with people. It's hard to be a disciple of his without caring for others and connecting with others because that's exactly what he did. That's not each of us necessarily connecting with our entire city or perhaps not even with our entire neighborhood. We can connect with our street and we, we can connect with those we work with. We can connect with those where our kids play ball at the same ball field. We, we, we've each got a sphere of influence. Usually most funeral directors will tell you that's around 200 people that show up at a funeral, the average funeral. So you and I have a sphere of influence of probably at least 200 people. Are we connecting with those 200 folks on a regular basis? Do they know our story? Is there a proclamation going on? Is, is the story being told? Is, are there connections being made? Um, this, this idea of connection is, is, a, is a viable pattern for us to follow. We need to, to understand it and move toward it. Uh, we can't ignore that our lives as disciples are intended to be about others, not about ourselves. Harvesters follow a pattern. Harvesters connect with people. Thirdly, Harvesters understand the problem. Look at verse 37. They understand the problem. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Job descriptions can be rather complex, sometimes very detailed. Sometimes they can be rather vague. This is a job description that's clear and, and concise and brief. The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. We got, we got, Jesus is in essence saying, we've got a math problem. And the math problem is we've got more people who need to come to Christ and we do people taking the message to them about their need for Christ. He's saying that it, it's simple math. Uh, I had a uh, friend I was actually, actually talking to several months ago that we were recounting high school days and things like that. He, he's an engineer, is in engineering, and has loved math his whole life. And he and I were in school together. He said, I always wondered why you didn't take Coach Sharp's class at Fulton. I said, well, there's two things there. Two reasons for that. I got enough of Coach Sharp at football practice. I got all I wanted of him at football practice. And the second reason is, is I, I was okay with 2 plus 2 equals 4, but B squared plus RX minus 2, I said I saw no purpose for that in my life, and so I, I wasn't very interested in math as a kid and, and didn't do that well. I, I did enough well enough to pass, but uh, that, was, that was about my interest. But he says, well, there's things about math that are irrefutable, and he's right. Two plus two is four every time, regardless of how you, how you stack it. And that's what Jesus is saying here is the math you can't ignore. There are more people who need to be harvested than there are harvesters going about uh, reaching them and getting in, into our neighborhoods, into our spheres of influence where we're going. Uh, it's, it's, it, he said, it's our job to go get them and bring them in. Now, we're going to see next week in chapter 10 that everybody don't respond to that, 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 that plea, that, that message, that harvest. But they, all, all, they, they all need to hear the message in the gospel that's going out. They um, need, need to get the message, the answer in the gospel. We need to get that in, in a timely, as timely way as we can. We never know where the Spirit's at work ahead of us, preparing hearts to, for conversations that we may never have. Yet, we step into those conversations, He's already prepared the hearts, and there's a harvest to reap there. It's, we have to trust his being at work ahead of us. Um, and, and time is of essence. 
because there may be a day where you and I lose the freedom of speech. We've not lost it <clears throat> yet. But I fear that day is coming if you and I live long enough. Um, if it does, <clears throat> some of you probably have to come down and bail your pastor out of jail because I'll get locked up for, for breaking that law if that ever becomes a law. But that's, that window is, is probably closing on us. And we need to maximize it while we have it because our culture is shifting uh, away from being open to the gospel and open to truth, open to, open to, to, to the fact that, that truth is being redefined speech, what, what, what is offensive speech is being redefined in our culture. Uh, and I get offended because I'm offended myself by, by the fact that the most intolerant people around us uh, find an all-inclusive gospel offensive. Blows my mind. Yet it doesn't because I see the motives that's behind all of that. I see the enemy at work in all of that. But, but we have a math problem. And the math problem is the numbers aren't trending in our, in our favor. Uh, I wish disciples of Jesus <clears throat> were as tenacious about getting their story out, about getting the gospel out, as these lawyers are about the Camp Lejeune uh, diseases. If I, if I see another Camp Lejeune commercial on TV, I just want to throw my shoe at the TV. It's, it's, it's about every third commercial that you see. Yet these lawyers are tenacious about about people understanding what's going on at Camp Lejeune. I can appreciate that. We need to be as tenacious about the gospel, getting to those who need to be harvested in his name for him. Because the harvesters understand the problem. We follow a pattern, connect with people, understand the problem. Finally, harvesters lead with prayer. Harvesters lead with prayer. Look at verse 38. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Ask the Lord of the harvest. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. I wonder if, if we're asking for the Lord to make our harvest uh, obvious to us that we can step into those conversations day after day. Um, it's, it's often that we stand on the sidelines wondering why someone doesn't fix the problem. And we think, surely God sees the shape our culture is in, doesn't he? Yes, he does. He has to. Why, has he why hasn't he done something about that? Now, could it be this? Could it be that because we haven't asked him to fervently bring those harvested har people who need to be harvested into our sphere of influence, in, into our world that day, into our, into our walk? Could it be that we aren't engaged as a part of the solution, but we're sometimes contributors to part of the problem, keeping our, our, our voices silent and, and our complacency uh, to ourselves and our, in, our, in our own comfort zone? What do you think, who do you think needs more help? The one on the sidelines were the ones on the front lines. It's the one on the, on the front lines. I'm going to tell you, you start harvesting people. You start building relationships with people and, and, and breaching faith conversations with them. You're going to start asking for help. <laughs> You'll ask the Lord of the harvest, God, I need your help. I, I, I need to step in here. I, I need you to, to be what I can't be. I need you to say what I can't say and, and do what I can't do. And he, he is faithful always to do that. As I said earlier, he sends his Holy Spirit ahead of us to prepare hearts and gives us in the moment what we need to say. Listen to Psalm 121 verse 1. It says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Ask him to bring people into your world and to help you reach them and he will do that. He's faithful to do that every time. It's a lot easier to see what they should do, isn't it? 
instead of to see what we should do, what, what, what they should, should, should get going on instead of what we should be already a part of. Uh, how, do we, how do we see that more clearly? Well, we ask the maker of heaven and earth to intervene for us, to, to, to help me see what I need to see. Let me give you a little hint. He will help you see it, those things that you need to see. He'll help you see it by helping you see them, by helping you see the people around you that are in need of the gospel, that don't know him, uh, that, he, that are there for us to reach. As a disciple of Jesus, everything begins and ends with prayer. And that's the story I think he wants to, is trying to tell us here, to say, ask him. Ask him to, to bring those folks into your world and then thank him when he does for your influence. Thank him for what he's done, what he's doing. An observation and a couple of questions as we close. The observation is this. Our harvest is not in dollars or in buildings, but in people. Don't ever forget that. We look at kingdom things and we measure kingdom things by the size of structures and the offering, what comes in offering plates and sometimes how many people are sitting on the pews as opposed to what's in the hearts of those folks sitting on the pews. It's not measured in dollars and buildings, but in people. So here's a couple of probing questions that I've asked before that probably need asking on a regular basis. The first is, is anyone at Cross Point because of you? Can you point to anyone else that's here because of you? And the more pointed question is, will anybody be in heaven because of you? How uncomfortable is that silence? Will anybody be in heaven because of you? Can, can you? can you point to one? Can you point to ten? Can you point to anybody? What we need to know here is the harvest is plentiful. Let's be a, a part of the few that go and show and tell that are willing to go, not sit around and wait on God to bring somebody on our path, but to pursue the ones he's already placed in our sphere of influence, in our world. To show them who we are, what our heart's about, what, what we believe. To invite them into our world and into our walk in ways that are vulnerable sometimes, but transparent all the time. And then to tell them the truth of who he is and how his story of the gospel has intersected our story of our life to change our destiny and our destination. There's power in that story. God will use it every time, but we've got to tell it. We can't keep that to ourselves. We've got to be willing to share it with other folks, trusting that God's prepared the way in the heart. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, today, would you stir in us a fervor and a desire and a passion to see those around us come to a saving faith in Jesus, perhaps even family members that are under our own roof, folks we work with that we've known for 10, 15, 20 years, we've never breached spiritual conversations with, know more about their family and their life and their world than we do their faith. Would you give us the courage this week to step into those conversations? Would, you, would we learn to trust the Spirit going ahead of us to prepare hearts and minds and souls to be reached? Our harvest is white and it's plentiful. And folks are seemingly arrogant and displaced and uh, against the gospel, but they're really not. They're really arrogant to sin because they see what's going on in our world and don't understand it and wonder why has a, a gracious and loving God done something? Well, a gracious and loving God is trying to do something through followers of his if we'll step up and be true disciples. And disciples reap the harvest. 
Disciples press into folks around them that may not know Jesus. Disciples tell those, tell those stories that need to be told of. Here's where I was, and here's what happened when God came. Here's what I've been, and here's where I am. Help us to tell those stories again and again and follow you as harvesters, as, as those who seek others out, not just wait on them to come to us, but seek them out. Test the waters of conversations daily, weekly. Believe that God's going ahead of us to do things in the hearts and lives of people that only he can do and wants to use us to be a part of. God, those around us are dying and going to hell, and that ought to burden us. It ought to stir us. If it doesn't, we need to examine our own heart to see if we know Jesus. So if we do, stir that passion in us for those around us to come to Christ, to, to, to hear the story of your, your, of your love for them. And as we step into those fields day after day after day, would you ripen hearts and give voices and tongues on, on, on the tongues of people in this room to tell the story of your love your mercy, and your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.